RNZ National Friday afternoon means Critter of the Week and Nicola Tookie joins me from Forest and Bird. Hi Nicola. Good afternoon, how are you? Good, you've been popping up on all my socials. You've been doing your um, your, your, your rock star publicity tour. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that, but um, uh, Lily Duval and I um, had a book launch this week uh, at, at the lovely Scorpio Books in Christchurch and it was awesome. You get a good it turnout so of people awesome. wanting signed books. Yeah, yeah, there were ninety odd people there. Oh, it great. was a it was a horrible, cold, rainy night. Um, it was quite funny because Ray from Scorpio Books asked everyone in the audience. Uh, she said, "Ah, oh, um, not sure uh, if anyone's ever been to a book launch before. Raise your hands if you haven't been to a book launch." Mm-hmm. And Lily and I put up our hands. Yeah, <laughs> well, actually, in hindsight, I think I have, but it's been a while. Um. And it was described as a birthday party for a book. And so that's how we ran it. And it was lovely. Oh, cool. So thanks to everyone who came. That was um, nice. People get plenty of opportunities to hear you and I talk. But I will just point out that uh, you and I will be in conversation at the Hawke's Bay Readers and Writers Festival end of October. If you're around Hawke's Bay, you can uh, buy a ticket. only 10 bucks, And you come see me and Nicola having a yarn in person. It's quite fun doing it live, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, actually. I haven't been to um, Hawks Bay for a long time, uh, and yeah, I'm very, very excited to be part of the um, uh, Readers and Writers Festival. And yeah, you'll be there as well, so that'd be quite good too. Do you think we should walk up to Mata Peak while we're there? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, straight into the wines. Moves. It is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you've been collaborating this with. Uh, you've been collaborating this week. I heard Forest and Bird mentioned. On Morning Report. Yes. Uh, so, Forest and Bird Federated Farmers and the New Zealand Institute of Forestry came out this morning. We, we well, we've actually, all of us have written to all of the leaders of major political parties uh, outlining our concern, our unanimous concerns mm. about the um, urgent action and investment required to tackle these out-of-control browsing pests. And um, I I spoke on Morning Report this morning. It is a major issue. Um, And it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because Corin described us as unlikely bedfellows. Um, But on this one, we're completely um, joined up. So, yeah, we've... We've really got to um, kind of grip this up, and um, I'm I'm sort of channeling Forest and Birds founder Captain Val Sanderson uh, from 1935 when he wrote to all the election, uh, sorry, all the political leaders ahead of their general election, and said, you know, he was deeply concerned about the impact um, that deer were having on forests, which was uh, amplifying flooding effects, and of course, hey presto, that's what happens. Yeah, um, that's good. Great to see you uh, combine, and I hope you get some good results out of it. I- if it's my imagination, I feel like the environment and conservation seems to have a lower profile these days in uh, in government. Oh, it's blimmin' crickets in tumbleweed, isn't it? I mean, it's it's been incredible to me uh, just how uh, how quiet the conversation, and by quiet I mean it's just non-existent, uh, has been from our political leaders about... Um, the the things that we love in New Zealand, the our natural world. And although, so, um, although I see Paddy Gower got both Chris's to uh, commit to putting feral cats on the predator free list in the uh, debate the other night. Oh, good on Paddy. That's a starter for ten, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, while we're out um, on the farm, introduce us to this week's critter, the golden speargrass. 
Yeah, well, this could be another one that um, I could line up with uh, me mates at Fed Farmers about. They'll be farmers will be familiar with this one. Zoto wool hunters. So, um, if you are familiar with uh, walking the high country landscapes of the South Island in particular, you will be familiar with spear grass. Me in particular, because it doesn't matter how sparsely populated the speargrass populations are. <laughs> I, I once was out and I swear there was one speargrass plant in about a hectare and I still fell in it. Um, <laughs> awesome. So um, you'll be familiar with it if you've brushed up against one or, in my case, fallen into them. Um, they are uh, otherwise, occasionally they have are known as Spaniard. Uh, that's another name for it. We tend not to... Um, Say that name, it's probably time to retire that name. We think it's probably a bit racisty, actually. Uh, <laughs> or well, xenophobic, not... perhaps. Yeah, we're not sure uh, really how that name came about. It's likely <laughs> so just that it was just... safest to retire it and not to ask too many questions. <laughs> exactly. Let's just put it in the cupboard. And in fact, uh, right back in 1894, William Colenso wrote that the, na this, the name Spaniard was objectionable um, oh, okay. and, and that he preferred the Māori name Taramea, and so do I. I think it's a beautiful name. Mm -hmm. um, so even though uh, those of us who are familiar uh, with speargrass, and it's called speargrass because it's really, really stabby. Um, Hunter came across them when we were in um, Araki Mount Cook, National Park a couple of years ago and uh, he yelped as you do when you run into one and said um, I've, I've just hit a dagger bush um, <laughs> dagger bush I, might catch on actually dagger bush, spear grass, taramia means spiny thing mm -hmm. um, and and it's genus name so Asaphila, um are almost all here in New Zealand in terms of um, the type of plant that it is there's a couple in Australia but Asaphila um, comes from the Latin name acicula, which means needle, um, and phylum for leaf. So needle leaf. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what language. It's a prickly plant that wants to try and stab you. Um, so here in New Zealand, we have um, about forty different um, species in the Asaphila genus, uh, and um, quite. Some of those are actually endangered. And interestingly, so when I come across Asaphila, which is usually just as I've fallen into it, um, uh, is often when I'm hunting, it's interesting to me because I wouldn't want to go near it with a barge pole, uh, but deer do like to eat it. Hmm. Um, which Surprising. is quite interesting as yeah. well. Yeah. So some of the species of Asaphila are now endangered um, and, of course, as we transformed the landscape um, here in the South Island over the last 150 years, uh, it's become slim pickings for some of those species. Um, obviously, it's not the kind of, it's, it's not, it's not you know, like a um, pretty sort of a plant that you want to have around, particularly if you keep falling into it. Uh, what I particularly like, though, is the story that comes with the, um, the Māori experience uh, of uh, Asaphila or Taramea. Um, so here in Tawaiponamu in the South Island, a little bit cooler can be. And so, um, you know, Naitahu uh, early uh, travellers would use the um, leaves of it to plait sandals for getting um, across the snow and probably early European explorers as well. But the most important aspect of Taramea um, 
from a, a te ao Māori perspective is it is a beautiful scent, a beautiful, beautiful oh, scent. And it I want to smell really, it now. Yeah. Well, it takes, a, it takes some time and some effort. So in order to be able to gain access to the, the resin, um, which is basically houses the scent, uh, then um, it needs it needed to be collected, braided, and then heated over a fire for many days in order for it to release the oil inside because it's the perfume, the perfume is sitting in the oil inside the plant. And so um, young wahine in particular would be tasked with sleeping next to the fire to let, make sure that the gum that was rising to the top of the braid didn't dribble down the leaf and be wasted mm. and fall into the fire, right? So it was this is like precise chemistry going on yeah. here or, or physics in, in order to make sure you could capture this prized position which was um, being able to collect the taramea and then once they were able to gather that resin it was mixed with um, animal fat either from kiriru or titi which are of course mutton birds perhaps weka, tui even and made into these beautiful little scented packets um, of oil and uh, it's interesting because you, there is a brand now called Mia that you can um, look up online um, using modern steam extraction methods um, that Naitahu uh, have uh, developed and so that, so that you can buy the perfume today, which I think is pretty neat. Huh. Um, but if we go back to the plant, uh, if you're not familiar with it, it can be up to a metre tall. Um, it has these Beautiful, greeny, yellow, very sharp, so careful as you go, um, leaves. Um, and perhaps they the leaves grew to be sharp to keep more away from them. We're not quite sure. Um, and in summer, you'll be familiar, they, they have this enormous, big, spiky flower head that comes out. But um, don't think of it as a daffodil. It's a, a, a large, thorny beast of a flower that kind of kind of rises up mm. out of the middle of the spear grass um and it flowers from november through to december um and yeah there it's also a good flag for you to go oh that's not a tussock that's a dagger bush um <laughs> got it got it um and it only flowers prolifically every few years. It's probably tuned into whatever's happening with the climate the summer before, like m many of our native plants and trees. Um, and the way that it has adapted to life in these sort of extreme climates is it has quite a large surface-to-volume ratio and really, really light beautiful papery little seeds and so they disperse um, really nicely by the wind. What it can't handle though uh, is habitat destruction but mostly getting munched by deer and nibbled by hares of mm. all things. That um, surface to volume ratio is an interesting one. That's also something you look for uh, look for in uh, takeaways. That's why waffle fries <laughs> are so good. Lots of surface area for maximum crispiness. Maximum deep frying ability, yeah, like yeah. that, like that scene in um, The Simpsons when Mo <laughs> turns his pub into a restaurant and just puts the entire tray in the deep fryer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like you have a Simpsons reference for just about everything I bring up in Critter of the Week. It's either Simpsons, Star Wars, or the young ones. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Well. Take a good look, Nicola. Take a good look at this picture of the golden spear grass or taramea. 
uh, as seen on our website, rnz.co.nz slash jesse. And give me a physical attractiveness rating if you if you would. Yeah, well, see, it gets lots of points for me for being um, yellow. You know, beautiful. Uh, that's my favourite colour. That's why dog vomit slime mould got such a higher high rating yeah. for something so gross. Um, but but having fallen victim to it, even having been pierced through canvas pants or gaiters, I, I'm going to deduct three points. So uh, it gets a six. <laughs> but that doesn't affect its appearance, Nicola. You can't take take points off something's attractiveness rating because it. I suppose you can. Yes. Have you ever fallen into a um, spear grass bush? I suppose it's like a person. If a person is prickly, it makes them less attractive, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Um, great. My first time with the golden spear grass. So very pleased to make its acquaintance. And thank you for your excellent work as ever. Thanks, Jesse. Have a great weekend. Nicola Tookie, her book is out now. And it's also time for the panel with Wallace Chapman. Have a great weekend.